welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. This is my favorite part, is an opportunity to get a chance to welcome our guests. And all of you guys that have been following me, you know that I usually stop and thank them for a couple of things, their time, because I, I, time is such a valuable commodity that um, the beauty about it is that everyone is given the equal amount, 24 hours a day. What we do with that? Uh, will dictate the type of life. And so I want to thank Allison for coming and spending some of this quality, expensive stuff here with us at Threads of Enlightenment. The other is her journey. It housed who she was, and that journey made her who she is today, this powerful being that is before us that is about to um, have us taste some of her wisdom, her triumphs, her victories, her lows, so that you and I can learn to become the best human spirits while we occupy this planet called Earth. Uh, Alison, thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Delighted to be here. Excellent. Introduce yourself, tell the people all the things that you do, and let them have it, girl. You, you go down that list and, and tell them everything you got. Cool. I live in Scotland and I help people get back on track. So what I'm really very good at is when you're stuck. I'm not really very good if you're not stuck and you just want a helping hand. I'm very much better at yanking you out of the hole, help pushing you around a corner. But although I say pushing and yanking, that's how it may feel, but it's very much more about <laughs> helping you tap into your inner wisdom. So I absolutely believe that you know the answer and all the tools that I seem to uh, have mounted around me for the coaching, podcast, uh, training that I do uh, and writing is all about tools and techniques that help you tap into that inner wisdom. And quite often that's via metaphor because um and this is part of my journey, I suppose, that I realized that my logical mind was my um, biggest enemy, mm. sort of, in terms of my logic will run rings around me and stop me doing things my inner wisdom would like me to do, because the logic will bring in the fear, it will bring in all of the uh, doubt, the criticism, logic's really good at stopping me doing things. And I realized that logic also stops other people doing things. And then I realized, oh, hang on a minute. But if I use metaphor, logic's gone on a coffee break. Logic's not paying any attention. And metaphor, it's why indigenous cultures have used stories for millennia. It's just a brilliant way of us, oh, I see, I need to turn a corner. So if I go and turn a corner in nature, I get insight about my reticence about turning a corner in life, about how easy, and there's a whole load of, insight we get because of the corner we choose so a lot of what i do is yeah helping people get back on track using metaphor quite often using um uh, nature but also using poetry so we were talking earlier and there's a couple of poems that came to mind where i just use words um to help people explore a situation again i think more metaphorically than logically that is powerful stuff because I, I I would tell them that is the the if I want to say this word the battle if you will between the logical mind and and the heart as they say uh, and making that transition uh, to the other um, part of you the deeper part of you 
that has more information than the logic. The logic is only looking at the natural stuff. And I tell people facts can be changed once you introduce the truth. But that's cool. another conversation. So here we go. I want you... <laughs> uh, let's go back into your family unit. How was that? Because I, I like the traveling, the journey, if you will, because a lot of uh, information we receive in our youth that kind of guides our life or create our lives. And then as we, get, we find ourselves getting older, as they say, we have to then face some of those um, information that were deposited in you and I as a young person. What was your family unit like, uh, Alison? Um, well, siblings, I was 14, relationship, all that. Yeah, till I was 14, mum and dad were together. They then separated at that point. I'd got a brother. Um, I, I would say that I now speak to my brother more than perhaps I did when we were kids. Um, but I think I was quite independent at that point. So I was always, like even at that point, I was chairman of the area youth council. So I was always into being part of a group. It was, I did, um, I, I don't think I was ever very good at sports. And yet I was in every team because I was prepared <laughs> to turn up and do it. You know, yeah. so I'd be the one that would put my hand up to say, um, yeah, ring me on a Saturday morning and I'll let you know whether or not the game's going ahead or not because of the weather. Um, <laughs> so I was always putting myself forward for things and people were always happy for me to do those things. Um, so, yeah, quite independent. And perhaps not always doing what I should, ought or must do. So always pushing at the edges of, um, yeah, conform why did you conforming. Uh, Alison, why did you feel the need to be independent? Um, you're saying you're 14 years old. Going back a little, uh, a little back. Um, why? What was the family unit like that caused you, if you will, to be no, that know, independent really. I mean, spirit? I don't know. I mean, we used to go. I suppose I remember that we'd go off on holidays, um, you know, be sent off to see our grandparents over the summer so, while my mum and dad worked. So I think there was always uh, lots of other people around and we were spending time with other people rather than it being yeah. this very close unit that therefore meant I was much more comfortable with doing different things and not worrying about. Um, and, and I suppose when we were at our grandparents, <laughs> my grandparents had a disused church next door to them and mm -hmm. uh, it had chickens running in and out of this disused church. But there was a pulpit in the church. And I always remember preaching to the chickens <laughs> <laughs> as a child um, and forcing my brother to listen as well. So, yeah, taking myself off and finding things to do. Um, but they were always about talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to start practicing as a um, one of your gifts that you are uh, uh you have today is that you're a speaker and so yeah. you were your audience just happened to be chicken but you were practicing yeah. and moving within your skill set but um uh, your audience you know i'm sure they they behave just like any other audience some of them will leave some of them will keep noise <laughs> yeah. and some of them yeah. will be quiet so it's just yeah. the same thing so um here you are because i think that is a perfect um picture to show where you did get the independence from because um, not being 
uh, around mom and dad all the time and being uh, uh, escorted to grandparents and others. So you, in that type of atmosphere, if you will, one can become um, independent where you're not always, as they say, grabbing onto your mom or dad's uh, 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 coattail or, or, or whatever. So here you are at grandma and you had your opportunity to start practicing your skill set and your audience, as I mentioned, they all types in there. <laughs> what, what began to happen to you, uh, Allison, while you were um, uh, having these conversation, if you will, with your audience, whether, you know, being chicken doesn't mean anything, but you're having this conversation with, your, with, with an audience already, how did that make you feel as this young girl? I think the word's empowered because it was that, and it, and it, and there's something about talking truth. Mm -hmm. it, the, the, what I've always wanted to talk about, even the area youth council, other um, organisations that I've done at, at university, has always been about challenging things that have been that aren't right. But it's yeah. And I suppose it's a right within my own belief system, but it is always the, you know, I remember writing um, to a like um, a young person's magazine at that age and, you know, encouraging everybody to get out there, join groups, find their tribe, I suppose, in terms yeah. of where do you want to make a difference? And it was, you know, we can, we can do it. So yeah, there was yeah. a definite... A rallying around we can do it you can do it I can do it we all have the capacity to do it don't believe the lies you tell yourself now I had never realized that I was doing that at that age but that's what that article said mm -hmm. you know I've just been to this youth council and it was brilliant we, when we had all these ideas and don't believe that you can't do that too See, so there you go. You were honing honing your skill, as they said, <laughs> yeah. at a young age. Um, and writing as well. That's interesting. Yeah, because I believe that when we are there in the younger state where we are not um, bombarded by, quote-unquote, responsibility, uh, many of us have these glimpses and we tap into those gifts that are residing there. But when we do it, people think that, you know, like you were talking about the chickens and uh, in front of the, the the pulpit. Now, think about that. Here is this uh, building, and most kids would probably just play around and stuff like that in <laughs> the church. But you went there and you were doing things. You were uh, speaking to your audience, and it carried away, carried with you all the way into your youth group and so forth. And so you were pushing the envelopes, asking the questions, uh, expanding uh, the ability of the others as you begin to speak to them about uh, who they are and so forth. Here this young girl now is engaging in this in uh, your group. You said you felt empowering while you were uh, speaking to your first audience in the rundown church. Um, as you're moving through your youth group and that empowerment uh, feeling that has with you 
what how was it changing you Allison be you know as you were becoming empowered mentally what was going on with this young girl as she is uh in this movement to empower others even though she doesn't know that she's in there well i would say i went to sleep so I got to university. There was a bit of that empowerment because I was again chairman of, um, of a society there. But I, when I left university, I met my who became my husband, and I think the whole of my marriage I was asleep. I didn't think about thinking. I didn't. I don't, yeah. All I can say is I went to sleep. I didn't think about thinking. I dialed down that empowerment and all of that. And it only came back on again when the marriage um, dissipated. Let me ask you a question because this is, um, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Here you are, you, um, you are this person that is uh, an empower of people. And you had to surrender that. And I love your terminology, uh, sleeping. When you went to sleep, Allison, what was that sleep doing to you, uh, that, that individual, the inside, the, you know, what was um, happening to this woman? I would say there was a lot of stagnation there. There was a lot of, um, yes, yeah, suppression, tired. Yeah, but not very much, not very alive, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that, that's beautiful. I love that terminology, not very alive, because uh, we, yeah, we go to sleep, Alison. We go to sleep and we, we find ourselves when we move away from us, if you want to say, if we start moving away from who we yes. truly are, yes. we, we begin to get asleep, tired, um, uh, dying if you will all of these other terminologies that words that people use so here you are you are uh, uh stressed and dying <laughs> <laughs> and you in this relationship and you said that after that relationship ended where where was your world your mind once this thing ended it crashed um you separated what was happening to you were you um uh, when this particular incident took place? The, I would say I was on the floor and, and, and busy trying to get it back. I mean, that, that's the interesting thing, yeah. isn't it? It's like, whole I've been asleep, I've not been me, and yet yeah. the one thing I want to do is go back to, go back there, really. It's like, oh, no, I don't want this new, new stuff happening. No, no, no. Um, so I spent, I would say, a, a year or so trying to get that back mm -hmm. despite the fact that everybody else around me would say oh god you're back you know we can you know the Alison that we know is there isn't more visible now but there was a denial for me that that was true um yeah. and then somebody said oh I've just been on your linguistic programming course I think you'd like it mm -hmm. and Oh my God, went on that. And then, of course, it just opened me up to who I was and started the, I suppose, 
being more aware of how I think and the patterns I run and why I do what I do and really and yes I suppose the going back to a conversation we had before the recording about the forgiveness piece and the loving myself and you know oh yes it's all about me and um yeah so that's where I would say the new journey began of me and perhaps that's why I like to get people out of a hole because I was in that hole yeah and I was there blinkered to the opportunities and not believing in myself and therefore I like the thought of empowering others or supporting their empowerment I suppose is a better way of describing it in order for them to have that aha yeah so as you're taking NLP and I um I took it as well and it's uh, really an empowering um process that one goes through when you begin to look at yourself and see as you began to look at yourself uh, Alison um what did you see when you went through that class um I suppose what I saw was somebody that kept denying the bits that were my biggest assets yeah it's like the outgoing personality a bit noisy possibly but um <laughs> it's mean it's that that seems to be in the whole lifetime of yeah. of always shoving to one side the oh, I'm too loud, or I'm too me. I mean, I think that's that's ultimately what I'm doing. It's always, oh, don't be me, tone me down. Yeah. Oh, they won't like me today. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the journey. The journey is the constant, no, dial up me, be me. Yeah. Because that, I can yeah. only be me. I can't be anybody else. And I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. That's fine. I can just be the cup of tea for the people that, you know, that get yeah. how I do what I do. Yeah, I, I remember um, when I was in my stage with, with uh, my divorce, and I remember driving. I was I was in, I was living in Florida at the time, and um, I was driving from uh, I think it was either Jacksonville or Gainesville, coming back into Orlando. And I, as as you all, we all do. I tell people. All of us meditate daily. We just don't know it. Um, and so I'm meditating about my life. And I realized that, hey, Ken, I could make my marriage work. But I would have to die. And I remember having this conversation with myself, Alison, and uh, just talking to myself and say, are you willing to do that? And I came to the conclusion, no. I, I need to, to live. What would that look like? I remember having this, this uh, voiceless conversation with myself and, I, and I, I stopped my car off of the highway. Cool. <laughs> I'll tell you how, how abnormal I am. Um, I stopped my car off of the highway, parked it, and started screaming and yelling, Ooh. no, I am going to live. I am not going to die and I'm just walking back and forth from my car with my three with my suit on and screaming at the top of my voice they the people driving by must have thought there's just <laughs> not just lost his mind on, in the middle of the highway and I got back into that car and I realized 
a powerful lesson that this life is about getting to know you. I wanted to get to know me. And like you said, um, it is the battle that uh, we have, even after you, quote unquote, are beginning your, your, your journey of self-development, the journey of self-development simply makes you aware of how important it is. Yeah, about no, you. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so here you are, you are now learning about you. You're seeing the importance of you. What were some of those, um, for lack of a better word, Alison, what were some of those monsters, those thoughts that you had given permission to become monsters, that you had to sit down and began to dismantle them, if you will, um, and not give them that permission anymore of being uh, these things that are so big before you? Um, what were some of those and I think, how did I think you get it's out? The no I think it's been noisy. Yeah. Um, or sort of outgoing would be one of them. Um, I also think there was one about uh, only being complete if I was in a partnership with somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. I need somebody else in order to, so it took me a while. So I suppose for about five years after the divorce, it was always, oh, I need to be in another relationship. And now, you know, yeah. I keep thinking, hmm, really? I mean, I haven't been in and I'm quite happy. And it's that, yeah. oh, well, that'd be nice. And, and I do accept that, you know, I've spent a bit more time with my mother because her partner's died recently. And, you yeah. know, I absolutely accept that we learn more by being with other people. So I've learned more about my myself again in the three weeks I spent with mum because, you know, you're with somebody... 24 hours um whereas i live on, in a house on my own and therefore i can i cannot be confronted with how i am with people quite as much living on my own um but yeah. i think but i think it was the oh i need to be in a relationship because i think that was part of the must sorts and shoulds because you know relatives would go oh have you found a man yet it's like, oh, really is that the only is that the first conversation you want to ask me um <laughs> Really? So I think there was, but, but perhaps they were asking because that was important for me because I can't remember the last time anybody asked me that. So um, again, it's that the world is a mirror. So it's not their beliefs. It's my beliefs that they were just mirroring by asking those questions, which is a, yeah. which I suppose is another of those hard things to accept that when you're getting annoyed at somebody else, it's, it's not them, it's you. Yeah, we're bringing in. I, I, I believe it's um, we are calling in and making uh, something needs to be addressed. Yeah. And um, we are calling the energy to assist us to address that situation. But we never look at it that way. No. We, will cuss, <laughs> we will cuss them out when yes. they come up and start yeah. because they're coming. But we it is such a sensitive situation that's why we cuss them out and so it, mm -hmm. i believe actually that we are calling all of those people in uh allison to assist us in becoming the best uh individual while we're here and if we yeah, live in hard. that state of, of awareness again if you on even so awareness understanding there's a understanding within your awareness that these are lessons opportunity 
you will then deal with it and respond differently. And uh, uh, I'm beginning to learn and get some insights into that aspect. So here you are, um, Allison, you are looking at yourself, you're seeing some of these things and you're calling the energy and you are now dealing with them. As you're moving through your life, um, uh, as you're incorporating uh, uh, these tools to assist you, what were those tools that you were, you had learned from your NLP uh, that you began to incorporate into your life uh, to assist you in your, uh, your movement, if you will, as you're moving from one uh, state in life to another state? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I can always remember, because I started out, out as a in procurement, in purchasing. And I can always remember one of the internal stakeholders that we were working with, one of the team members, turning around and saying, you're so much easier to deal with since you've done that NLP. And I <laughs> thought, and I thought, but she's so much easier to deal with since that NLP. <laughs> so, and it, and it wasn't the fact that I was, you know, suddenly allowing her to get away with, with murder or whatever. I believed that I was still able to persuade her and influence her to do what procurement, you know, to follow best practice purchasing. Yeah. But it was just the way I did it. Yeah. You know, the way I was expressing things. And I think that's what happened. The fact that other people could see how I, how, how my communication had changed and how that was making life easier for me. And then I sort of became the, the office coach, really. So if anybody had a problem, oh, go and see Alison. She'll have a tool and technique for that. And then um, the, the bank I work for merged with another bank. And therefore, we had three teams from different areas within the UK coming together. And so I was sort of put in charge of the, I suppose, the soft skills of the communication and all of that team development piece for yeah. those two teams. So again, it was the me being able to have permission, I suppose, for using all these t uh, tools to help others. Um, and I suppose it was after, oh, I don't know, five or six years, possibly a bit longer, when I realized there was a law of diminishing returns that I, you know, they all knew these tools and techniques and they could run to me and go, oh, Alison, Alison, we're struggling, what would you do? They didn't yeah. really need me in the same way. So I left to work for myself. And it, it was funny because one of the um, colleagues a few years later said, you know, we still, we still, if we're in a meeting and we're struggling, we'd still say, what would Alison do? And then <laughs> somebody will go, oh, she'd do this. And then we'll do that. So, you know, I mean, it was funny because I think it was because some of the techniques were a bit weird. So they preferred yeah. to hide behind the fact that, oh, this is what Alison would do. So we're not doing it because we want to do it. We're doing it because yeah. Alison would do it. But I mean, you know, I wasn't there. So they were doing it because they thought it was a good idea, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. That's beautiful, though, um, that you were uh, making such an impact on others, even after you had. Um, left that arena. I'm sure um, after you had your day preaching to the chicken, you probably made an impact <laughs> there too. You don't know about it. But um, here you are, you stepped out on your own, Alison. This is a big decision, if you will, because once you do that, 
you, I tell people a salary is just another way of them keeping you in, yes. in, in the fence. And so here yeah. you are switching from one uh, uh, source of income to the other, where you're trusting in your ability, your wisdom, your life and your decision process. How was that transition when you made it? Was it an easy one? Was it a difficult one? What was it like? It was only possible, and I had one of those car moments like you. It, mm -hmm. was, it was only possible because I had one of the, uh, when I was driving home through the countryside one time, and I just thought, I, I have to be prepared to sell the house. I mean, I love mm -hmm. my house. My house is just, oh my God, it's, it's kept me sane. It's got a beautiful view. I can see the sea. Um, and it was that that I was attached to that was keeping me in the job, really, because, yeah. because I had to accept, well, I don't know what's going to happen to the income. Yes, I can trust myself, but I have to be willing to let go of the house. Yeah. And that was the, and that was the, that enabled me to make the decision. But I, and it was like I was making that decision at a time where I'd got no savings. I mean, I wasn't prepared to make that decision. You know, like I hadn't prepared for it. I hadn't planned for it. I hadn't got lots of money ready to sort of tide me over. I just made the decision and sort of did the step forward, trusting something would happen. Not realizing really until much later how close I did come, I suppose, to needing to sell the house. You know, it was, um, so any of those big changes, it's always been, yeah, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it and not think of yeah. the consequences and be more in the moment and go, yeah, it'll work. And I think <laughs> even though it's 15 years, 16 years since then now, yeah, I think I still go backwards and forwards between the running back to other consultancies that go out and market me and get me work and me doing mm -hmm. my own thing. And it's, and we're back again now at this moment in time or over the last six months of me going, I've got to put my head above the parapet more. Yeah. You know, let's get out there. That's why I've, you know, willing to be guests on podcasts it's the because I'm just love talking about being reminded why I do what I do because it you know for the rest of today I'm going to be enthused because we've had this conversation and reminded me all about you know why <laughs> I do what I do so I think that's where I'm at at the moment it's that oh it's easier for me to run back to various consultancies that give me work but I sort of know that I need to do more of the and and I do incorporate some of the landscaping your life using nature, some of the stuff I do in books in the work I do for other consultancies. But I know that I need to really the next step for me. You know, I was sixty last year. It's you know what if I'm not going to do it, <laughs> I've got to do it now. You know, um, yeah, come on, girl. <laughs> there you go, girl. You go do it. Um, the limitation is is with us um yeah. uh, i grew up in a church and i remember this uh um, verse that jesus said all things are possible to the man who believe yeah End the story uh, yeah definitely End the i story. wrote, a, I wrote um i went out yesterday and wrote a poem and it was very much about that it's like it's all in your head just do it just take mm -hmm. that step it's like it's not about 
um, I can't remember all of the poem now, but it, it was sort of a, it's not about thinking beyond. It's exactly as I explained, leaving that full-time yeah. employment. It's like, this is the right step to take. Let's not worry about step three or four. Yeah, yeah we're decision, just going to do one step. Yeah, that decision comes from deep inside of us. And when it comes, the logic mind would say, this is not the right time. I don't have a savings. <laughs> I don't have this. I need to have this in place. I need to put that in place. That is the logical mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in some cases, people get an opportunity to do that. But most of the time, you will have that um, decision that will pop out from deep within. And you're looking at your surroundings and there's none of that what the logical mind would tell you you need. And when you step out, you yourself will say, I must be crazy. And yeah. you will step out and, and do it. And I call, and the religious folks and, and religion calls that faith. And mm -hmm. there is a degree of faith in uh, pursuing and doing your personal development because what happens to it is once you've discovered your gifts it usually pushes you and moves you forward into that entrepreneurship um, aspect of living and i believe uh, allison that the gift that we have is designed to support us i believe it is all in one but fearfulness the logical mind that salary that we are programmed to always expect uh, is the, the the bridge that we have to cross that little. And I think that's where I'm at because it's the allowing others, you know, other consultancies to pay me rather than yeah. me do it myself. Even though I mean, of course, I've got clients myself. I've written a book. Um, you know, there's a podcast now, but it's very much about that's on me on transmit. That's me sharing it with others. And now it's about me having to put my hand up and say, you know what? If you have me as a coach, actually, you can get there a bit quicker than if you follow the book. Because if you follow the book, you might not notice some of the patterns that I can notice because it, you know, and I think that's what yeah. I've I've observed the last few months that you know, the excitement when I'm one-on-one one on one with somebody that last week, for instance, walking through Edinburgh Botanical Gardens and just noticing the patterns and being able to hold up a mirror to their patterns for them to go, yeah. oh, I didn't know that, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the purpose, I believe, of a coach. Um, I tell people, when you're getting a coach, um, talk to your coach. You want a coach that has been abused and beat up by life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has been through some mess you know what i mean because what um the value and the education and the wisdom that they bring uh to you will save you from all of those things if you are willing to allow the guidance to uh switch your perspective because that coach that has been through much as you said they are able to guide you through much faster they will recognize uh, and usually it's a question the coach will ask you a question because they already know the answer to that but they want you to know the answer to that so that you can see it for yourself and there's nothing like it when you see it that revelation if you will 
uh, we call it that light bulb mo moment. When they get to that place, Allison, it's theirs. They own it. And yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think, and I think the other thing is that what I like about coaching is that if I sort of hand myself over to the process, is that I'm as surprised as they are at some of the questions I ask. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't feel as if it's my logical mind asking the question. It's either my yeah. higher self speaking to their higher self or whatever the languaging we have around that, you know, my yeah. inner wisdom speaking to their inner wisdom or asking a question based on conversation it's had with their inner wisdom. And therefore, I ask a question and I sort of know it's the right question because I have no idea why I'm asking it. Yeah. It's not yeah, come um, through think... the filters of logic. It's not a, yeah. oh, wouldn't this be a smart question to ask? I'll ask it. Or, oh, mm. this question has worked a thousand times before I'll ask it. It'll be, oh, let me ask you this question. I have no idea where this question's come from, but I'm trusting the process enough to know that let's go in this direction, you know. Yeah, I think um, they trained us in, in um, NLP to recognize some of those, um, the body language that we can mirror others and so forth. And I think when you're having um, that conversation, I think when you're having a deep conversation, Alison, I believe you have lifted the elevation. I don't believe it is no longer the base level of hi how are you doing and all this type of stuff yeah. i think when we open that conversation to the higher uh, uh principles and so forth um i believe we are lifting them and you are in tune just like they trained us in in nlp and you are able to respond uh because you you know it you you see the body language in in this realm you're seeing or sensing the spiritual language and you're able to ask that question and then they get it and then you're able to pivot you see and they're having this nlp taught us how to have this body communication as we're engaging in our conversation is, is able to um uh, affect that communication to a different level and it's the same thing i believe that is happening in that realm if you will so that we are able to know, like you said, that question came out of nowhere. It came out of somewhere. It came out of that power, that unity, that uh, that you know, you'll find connection, if you will, energetically. And boom, you look at them and they're like, "Oh my God, I didn't know that." Yeah, that's no, one absolutely. of the responses that they yeah. would say. You know, I think I think that's also why I like using nature because that means I don't even have to ask a question that. Yeah. They're asking the, that if we go out into nature and, you know, how how is this landscape representative of the situation you're wanting re resolution about? They notice the patterns in nature. And then all yeah. I need to do is mm -hmm. ask questions of, 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 of nature, really. Um, yeah. And that. And that's hugely powerful because, again, that's coming from within them. So it's not even me imposing anything. It's like, well, you you noticed that seed. You noticed yeah. that fallen tree. You noticed that corner or that root. So what is it about that root that's, that, that's either a mirror or gives insight about the current situation? Which is really yeah, powerful, powerful because then it comes from yeah. within them. They're, they're able to um, find resolution for themselves.
Yeah, that's that's a powerful um, uh, relationship that you have with um, one of the greatest teachers on this planet, nature, and that you're able to partner with nature to assist that individual. Um, I think uh, very few people else and have that understanding about uh, the teacher that is nature um, because it has so much information. It's been around much longer than we have in the sense <laughs> yeah. of uh, it's awake in the sense, you know, um, I told people that we were we were created on, on day six or somewhere around there. They, they were created a little earlier than, than us. Yeah, so they've been absolutely. around here longer, yeah, yeah. longer than us. I, I tell this, this person, they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, they were they were up before we were. So here you are, Allison. You are uh, engaging in all of this, and people are at work. They're talking about you, even though you're gone. You got your business <laughs> up and running, and you're having a few clients now. What? How did the book come about? I know how your speaking came about. You started quite young. Um, <laughs> Uh, the coaching piece, I could see where that came from because you've been doing that all the way from yeah. a young girl as well. You started in, mm. in 14 in, in the uh, youth group and all the other places. Um, where did the, how was the podcaster and the author, which one came first? And um, how did it come author? about? Um, I would say what came first was the blogger. So back in the day uh -huh. that in order to help yeah make sense of what was happening i'd write so i'd write so i'd never write a blog necessarily <clears throat> the blog wasn't written for other people it was written for me to help me understand you know a particular thing yeah and therefore and then i'd just post it and mm. and therefore and then that's a really useful reference tool i found because i you know i've written i've written article or blogs and then somebody would say something. So many a coaching session, I'd go, oh, yeah, I've written a blog on that. I'll send you the blog at the end because that might help support what we've said. Yeah. So the blogging was definitely the writing piece. And then, of course, yeah. when I suppose YouTube, because I was suppose around before a lot of this was was as you know familiar to everybody as it is now. Then I started doing video blogs that just were even a quicker way of of doing mm -hmm. the blogs, I suppose. Um, and again, they're there for reference. So I quite often will say, oh, what about this? And however, I don't know that there's ever been a time because somebody said to me, but you've always wanted to write a book. But I don't recall saying that. But I think <laughs> I, I do think there was a yeah, I'm writing a book. My my hairdresser, when somebody said it whilst I was at the hairdressers, um, oh, how long have you been writing a book, Alison? Or how long did it take you to write a book? And my hairdresser, bearing in mind I'd been seeing her at that time 15 years, she said, 15 yeah. years? She's talked about a book <laughs> for 50, all the all the time I've known her. And she's written about four of them. The fifth one is the one that she's got published. <laughs> wow. So that was her observation. Now, and I, and I, you know, that's the truth of it, really. The... I was always wanting to try and write something, but yeah, oh, I do, I do, I do needlework, but I only do needlework in order to help my own personal growth. So each of the books I'd written, until the one that got published, were always about helping me. It was like me going through a how do I solve 
this problem that I'm, you know, that I'm dealing with at the moment. And then the book would be written with that in mind. Always, always, always using metaphor. So wow. as soon as I did NLP, just to go back, where, where the land using nature came from was that in um, purchasing, we, we tried to, in big organizations, we need to get the support of business managers to what we're doing. And most of them don't understand supplier management. It's like, no. And so what I started doing in the mid 90s was use gardening as a metaphor for supplier management, because everybody, everybody certainly here in the UK has got a garden. Most people have got a garden. If not, they've known about gardens. They walk around gardens. Oh, well, we need to be mown. They need to be weeded. We need to put time. Some plants aren't going to work in some, you know, in some locations versus others. And as, and people went, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about that, about gardening. And you go, but that's the same about suppliers. Yeah. You know, some suppliers <laughs> need time in a greenhouse. Some suppliers, you know, is it any wonder that that supplier is not working because you're giving mm. them no attention whatsoever? They need pruning. They need watering. Uh, yeah. So that was in the mid 90s. Then NLP taught me, oh, metaphor is how people's brain work. And so yeah. I expanded the gardening to nature's landscapes and the yeah. supplier management to life more generally and realized that, yeah, you could apply all of that. So every book came at it in a different way. But it was I mean, I think if I wrote it now, it'd be different because with social media, it's much easier for people to grasp ideas because quite often people are finding out about it from social media. But all the books I wrote for me never got anywhere. It was when I realized, so what is the book I'd write for other people? Mm -hmm. What is a summary of what I've learned? Oh, okay, here's the book. And that's where I Can't See the Wood mm -hmm. for the Trees came out because it was when we're stuck, we use yeah. um, language to describe being stuck and we are already using nature. You know, in the yeah. UK, we'll say we can't see the wood for the trees or we'll say I'm up a creek without a paddle or mm -hmm. I'm stuck in a rut or I'm treading water. And we use those sayings to describe being stuck as if that is a, a I suppose, a foregone conclusion. We're stuck. There is no way to see it. But the yeah. fact that you're using that metaphor, it's the premise of the book, is, but that's also got the solution in it. Yeah. So don't tell me you can't see the wood for the trees, because what would you do in a real wood? And quite often yeah. in coaching sessions, then we'd go out to a real wood. Uh, the number of times, it happened again last week, we're embodying not being able to see the wood for the trees. We're in a, we're in a wood and somebody comes past and we're looking lost and they go, would you like, do you need a map? <laughs> now, I mean, I, and people look at me and they go, I go, well, okay, so how is the map? How might, you know, we've got somebody here offering us a map. How's that representative? You know, how, how is that a metaphor for what you need in life, you know, about the map? So yeah. that's what I love about nature. It's that you can set out thinking, how on earth is this, how is on earth is nature going to help this, this problem? Yeah. And it always does. Always wow. does. It, it, it always does. I tell people, uh, again, I grew up in, in the church, Alison, and I, and I used to read where Jesus would tell people parables. And, you know, the parables, as I got older and understood the purpose of it, it's, it's designed for um, 
all types of thinkers, yeah. uh, right brain, left brain, all the information, but people, uh, imagery is one of the most powerful uh, ways to teach. And so he was giving them an image of things and they can see, um, uh, you know, these parables, these stories he's telling them, they could see it. And so they were able to understand and get that uh, information from just like you're doing. So you got uh, the the book came uh, from the um, the blog. How did the podcast came around? You said you saw it, but um, you remember your first time and what was it? What was it that uh, said, you know, let me go ahead. Let me do this, the, you know? Well, I think it's because I do, I do know, and I've had some feedback that, reading some of the writing cold yeah isn't the same as hearing me do it there's an element of Alison's you know all of what I did with the chickens it's the performance elements it's that I'm a performing communicator is is yeah rather than a writer so although I write to help inform my thinking I think I am then a better performer of those words so I think it, it it was a yeah, you you know, people will like listening to you giggling away when you're there, um, you know, in nature. Because, but what happened was the first, so I've done, I'm on three series of the podcast. The first series was a bit too logical. It was a, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a bit of NLP. I'm going to do this. But it was mm-hmm. just too logical. And it was inside. It's like, hang on a minute. What's my USP? My USP is going out into nature and doing it outside. Yeah. So the second series, I think I found my flow and then, which was very much more about, you know, so each each um, episode has a title, so it'll be Treading Water. So the Treading Water uh, episode has me going into the, the, the sea here in Scotland, uh, so it's cold, um, and treading water and sharing with you as I'm sort of treading water with my mic above me going, <laughs> right. Um, well, if I was treading water, this is what you would need to do. It's like, oh, just yeah. float or just put your feet down. Yeah. Um, and so every episode of the second series was me going out into nature. And and it's that coming back to what you were saying earlier about the, oh, I didn't know that. So I wasn't going yeah. out into nature and doing can't see the wood for the trees and regurgitating what what's happened every other time I've done it. It was me going out with new eyes today with whatever's going on in my life today. What do I notice about the wood for the trees today? And there was always something new. There's always something that I'm going, holy whatever. Um, The one I'll share was I'd written a poem. So on this particular podcast, I was embodying the poem. And the first part of the poem says, um, some paths are about getting to the next crossroads before we made a decision. So it's not about knowing where we're going. It's just following the path in front of us, getting to the crossroads, and then we can make a decision about the crossroads. So I'm embodying that out in nature. Well, so I leave where I've left, you know, the car park, and I'm going Mm -hmm. on a path and I've told myself, I can't go anywhere. I don't need to make a decision until I get to a crossroads. Mm-hmm. every step was really hard work because I'm no I need to know where I'm going I need to know where I'm going no you don't you're going to the crossroads 
No, no. Yeah. And at one point, I nearly turned round because for me, well, I don't know when the nearest crossroads is. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> and I and really did, really felt, and, and I'm laughing at myself in the podcast, going, I cannot yeah. tell you how big the urge is to turn round and go back to the known car park and start again even though this is not a big wood. So the crossroad that, crossroads mm-hmm. that, because I was in a wood I didn't know. I said, but the crossroads mm. that I will come to cannot be far. Yeah. And yet every part of my being was going, go back, go back. And yeah. and I just look, and, and so the podcast, that, that that series of the podcast was just so, you know, there's always me laughing at something because it's me going, well, who'd, who'd have guessed that? You know, that's <laughs> new for me too. Um, and then this second series, um, I only did a few and then unfortunately my mother's partner died. So it sort of halted and I was sharing poems, but I, I, it hasn't quite found its flow. So it might be that yeah. I go back to what I was doing in the second series, which is picking sayings and embodying them. Wow, that is powerful. Um, you guys that are listening to us, um, Alison is partnering and I love it that, that she's partnering one of the oldest and wisest teachers around uh, nature. And um, nature has so much to teach us. And she is um, taking you, uh, she mentioned a couple of journeys that she was taking you and how she herself was being uh, stretched and uh, developed as she is learning and walking through nature to, to surrender. And so it's a great lesson I think to learn that she was talking about surrendering um, uh, that aspect. I use this as, a, as an illustration of how difficult surrendering is. I remember reading in the Bible where Jesus is in, in this garden, and there he is in his garden. He's he's sweating blood. He's like, I don't want to go die. I don't want to die, man. And he had to surrender because I remember reading down a little further down. It says. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. So he, it is difficult, that place that we talked about surrendering. We watched this. It tells us that he was sweating blood and none of us got there yet. But it is a difficult place to put down the logic mind and go and walk and trust your higher self, your spiritual self. Because why? It is an unknown territory. You don't know yeah, yeah. anything about it. And because it's unknown, one of the very first things that will pop up is fearfulness. And so that's the, 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 the walk that we have. And here you had Alison talking in an ex- and showing that transition yeah, as yeah. she is walking, going into uh, this uh, uh, area. And so all of you guys, we are going to pro- provide the stuff for you to get to her. You need to get to her because like I said, she's partnering with a powerful teacher and you're going to learn some stuff really, really quick. And you will be able to um, get out of your situation somewhat faster than if you're just reading a book. As she said, the book is important because I tell people, um, I want you guys to get our book as well. The book is important because you're having a private time with the author. And if you are ready, 
you would allow those words to come and jump off of those pages, reside within you, and change your perspective. This whole thing that we are trying to do is to shift your perspective a slight degree. And when you shift your perspective, you will shift your conversation, you will switch your desires, you'll switch your plans, your purpose, everything follows once you switch your perspective. And I got you guys a coach, I got you guys a speaker, I got you guys a podcaster, I got you guys an author that is skilled in that arena. Alison, I wanna thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. It's been a pleasure, I really enjoyed the conversation, thank you. Thank you.